Welcome to I'll Be Back Catalog, where we take a nostalgic look back at the movies of Arnold Schwarzenegger. The cigar chomping, one-liner spitting, killing machine. Now oh, stop it, you'll make me blush. It's every movie from the beginning. With special guest comedians. I like this. That sounds great. Now play the music. And we're, we're back. back. We're, we're back with I'll be back catalog. Oh, this is it. We're into season. We're halfway through season five. We are chomping into the like the early two thousands. And today we're talking about Terminator Three: Rise of the Machines. Yeah, I'm going to withhold all of my feelings about this movie until we talk That's about good. it a bit later. Crush them down. Crush them down. Oof. All right, like they were being compacted underneath a silo door. Because we're not here on our own talking. We're very excited. This is our first international guest coming to us. Um, all the way. Where are, you, where are we talking to you from, Eddie? So you're talking to me in the United States, but specifically Orlando, Florida. Orlando, Florida. Good. Uh-huh. I like the United States. You're like, it's all of them. So that is, of course, our uh, special guest, Eddie Green, who is the host of Terminator 101, an amazing podcast exploring all things about Terminator and the Terminator franchise. And would you describe yourself as a mega Terminator fan? Oh, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how far you guys want me to go back in my history, but really quick summation. The the podcast was not originally Terminator 101. It was called Bigger Boat Movies in reference to Jaws because I'm a cinephile. I love movies in general. So that was my original goal. Create a podcast. I can talk about movies. But the, the like the dilemma that I kept coming face to face with was... Usually I found a way to, it had no issue if it was about Mulan, if it was about whatever. I somehow tied in a reference to Terminator (laughs) and, and, and my audience would like message me or like I had a call in option. They would call in and they'd be like, Hey, look, we love the podcast, but can you stop talking about Terminator so much? Because it's kind of getting sickening. <laughs> and then you're like, no, I'm going to do the complete opposite. And that's just where I'm going to be now. I'm that guy. <laughs> the one piece yeah. of feedback you got was like, hey, we want less Terminator. And you're like, I hear what you're saying, but I would like less you. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, so I basically said, okay, well, I have a dilemma, so I need to fix this. And uh, reworked it and came up with Terminator 101. By the way, let me tell you guys, I love the name of your podcast because I love those those kinds of titles that <laughs> have meanings that aren't just because like I've told a couple people that I'm coming on and I and I said, I'll be back catalog. And they were like, oh, cool. And I'm like, you guys don't get it. Like, it's a, like there's <laughs> a double reference they? going on. And like, yeah, like, come on. So I, I love that stuff. And Terminator 101 is, you know, essentially Terminator 101. It's basically talking all things Terminator, but it's also in reference to the model number 101. Oh, so. I did not get that reference until right now, and now I'm sad. <laughs> See? So now you feel like the people like, yeah, with, yeah. The, with, with, with all the back catalog. How did I not get that reference? That's no, good. I do like it. Uh, I used to think <laughs> me not getting the reference because the model numbers are confusing, right? Terminator yeah, 101, ch- and then, but the 101 is the uh, 850. 800, and this one it's the 850. Well, it's a different yeah. model. So anyway, um, so are you an Arnie fan? Like in general? Oh in general, yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, Arnie is... Uh, so what was your first Arnie movie? First Arnie movie. Yeah, yeah. Batman and Robin. Yeah, yeah. That makes I'm sense. I'm so sorry for your loss. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I've told people this, but I mean, come on. Like, really think about it. What a first Arnold movie, because you're never going to forget it. Like, <laughs> that's true. You, like, there is, there is no way you can forget a blue, bald Arnold. There's no way. 
Yeah, it sets the bar at such an unusual place that you're like, well, everything that happens now is going to be good. Oh, yeah. And like, once you got to see movies like Commando where his like quips and one liners actually make sense, mm. you'd be like, oh, amazing. <laughs> yeah, oh. no, ser- but like, seriously, that movie for the longest time, I'm in my 20s. So that movie was like, when that movie came out, that was like the shit. That, it was my favorite movie of all time Batman and Robin. Yeah, I think that's the difference. Is like for me, I'm pretty sure one of one of my earliest was definitely Terminator Two, because uh, I remember playing it as a kid when I was nine or tenish, and we would take turns being the T1000. So like, the legacy of Terminator is so entrenched in my heart, and that's why I got excited when you said you're from Orlando because I know the T2 3D ride was pretty much uh, a quintessential cornerstone of my childhood. I love that ride. Yeah, no. Yeah, so, man. so have you been on the ride? T2 3D gone too soon. Gone way too soon. I think it's coming up on two years. But yeah, I. Uh, I- I had a pass to Universal and I would go there literally just just to go on that and then I would leave. (laughs) It's a great ride. And did anyone arrive halfway through it on a motorcycle? Yeah, they did. And (laughs) and yeah, and that never made sense to me. (laughs) So it was like it was like, yeah, he actually comes out on the motorcycle through the time portal. This is my argument that he was dressed and equipped like that purely to make sure that John recognizes him and trusts him immediately so it was done by john in the future modeling the terminator of john and of the mm-hmm. terminator in his past to make sure that john in the past would be like oh yeah cool there's that guy oh yeah. there's, there's my robot dad what a great <laughs> what a great robot game, dad though. i love it yeah <laughs> like how how incredible that that's like a bunch of actors that's like on their thing they were like what did you do yeah. oh i was the dude who rode out the motorcycle on the track on the track and and was like yeah yeah let me tell you something i am actually this is something that i haven't like revealed through social media or whatever but i'm actually working on getting as many of the people because i knew one of the people that stood outside the attraction that would let people in so when the show closed and i had this idea you know obviously two years later but I, i i messaged him and i was like hey you know can you get me in touch with the guy one of the guys that played arnold and he did and then now it's become like kind of like a human centipede kind of thing where I'm just going through person in person and like, yeah, like literally. So I'm working on like a reunion kind of thing with a T2 3D cast. Oh, that is cool. I'm into that. It was such a fun evolution of the T2 story in a way that was, it kept it the same like fun feeling and hyped it up just a little bit so that it could like exist in that kind of environment. It was, it was cool. Do you know if Stan Winston was involved in making them? Oh yeah, he definitely was. Yeah, okay. Yeah, there's a... There's there's so many great behind the scenes photos of that uh, that attract. Oh man, it's just talking about it. I miss it so damn yeah. much. Yeah, I know. And it's the minions now. <gasps> wow, that's way more exciting. <laughs> in Hollywood, in Orlando, they still haven't announced what's replacing it. It's just empty. Oh really? Oh, because I went on the it's minions. Just one. A, that's at least something to be happy about. That minions didn't take out the Terminator in Orlando. <laughs> oh, I would watch that mashup movie. I've got to be honest. I would too. Yeah, I'd watch that. <laughs> Minions versus Terminator. I'm in. Oh, and all live yeah. action with like like um, Pokemon style minions with mm-hmm. the kind of fleshy and real. Yeah, Ugh. yeah. With the big like glassy eyes. Your first movie was uh, Batman and Robin. Correct. Your favorite Arnold movie, I'm guessing, is either T1 or T2. Correct. The Terminator. If you had to choose an Arnold movie after those, what do you think? What would be next on the on the list? Um, because I, well, I actually have a top five. So like, this is how like nuts I am about this shit. Yeah. Like. <laughs> It goes the Terminator, which is number one, mm-hmm. T2, which is number two. Number three is probably something that people wouldn't think about, but it's Jingle All the Way. 
Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. 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 Talk about a dip in quality, but yeah, like that movie is, uh, it's just, it, it, it has such a sentimental thing to me because I actually had a Turbo Man doll back in the day and I'm so mad I don't have it anymore. It's just like, uh, like that thing would be worth so much money because yeah. it was like, like it wasn't the stupid Walmart version. I don't know if this was like a custom <laughs> thing that was going on. It was like it literally was like the one at the end of the movie that Jamie can win. Oh yeah, yeah, because they made they made those right. There was a not a huge run. There of wasn't them. a huge one. No, did, did your dad like actually do the jingle all the way thing and, and get you one from? He like must have. He, he must have. And 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 I gotta ask him now because I think yeah, like I think that like I don't know if it was exactly like that. Like I don't think that he was chasing after a bouncing ball, but <laughs> like. Did he hand yeah, it to like, you and say you're our favorite customer? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I love I love Jingle All the Way because Phil Hartman is so close to like yeah. near He's and great. dear to me, like such a great uh, actor, and I just feel like the ensemble on that movie is so fun, and you could tell Sinbad just does not give a fuck. No, no it does not. <laughs> He's just having the best time, like in a good way. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. There's times where people check out, like uh, I don't know, George Clooney in Batman and Robin. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Okay, so that's number three. That's number three. Number four is True Lies. Good choice. Solid. The bridge is out. The bridge is out. Okay, number and five. And number five is, de- and yeah, number five is definitely the one where people are like, really? Killing Gunther. I <sighs> I love <laughs> Killing Gunther. What do you guys think about that movie? Because I know you haven't gotten to it yet, but like, what do you like? What is your opinion on that movie? I'm not against it, genuinely. It's just um, doesn't make as much use of Arnie as I would have liked. I thought it was a real fun movie. It was it's called, fun. like yeah, the yeah. twists in it made me really happy. You know, okay, okay, I'll say this. The trailer didn't sell the movie for what it was, so I went in with weird expectations. I was expecting kind of I was expecting a, a funny John Wick. Yeah, if they pitched it, if the trailers had made it clear, like if they had pitched it as a like best in show, waiting for Guffman kind of thing, I think that people would have been a lot more receptive to it. Because it was such a fun use of Arnie. But yeah. yeah, I wanted to see way more Arnie. And just to know what I was getting into. Yes. Yeah. I'll say that. I'll tell you this. He looks amazing in that though. Like him in like the floral shirts with his hair back. And he's just like, yeah. I need to give it a rewatch. I really do. I thought it was a really fun return to comedy for Arnold too. Is it something Mm. where he's making fun of the construct that he has created? Yeah. And like even down to him singing in that where apparently Taron wrote the singing for him, didn't know that Arnold hates singing, has a phobia of singing. And Arnold's like, yeah, all right, I'll do it. Yeah, no. Oh, man. Like he should definitely record like like a country album and I would uh, (laughs) pick it up day one. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Okay. So for people who haven't seen the movie, here's a short synopsis of Terminator 3 Rise of the Machines. A cybernetic warrior from a post-apocalyptic future travels back in time to protect a 25-year-old drifter and his future wife from the most advanced robotic assassin ever to have been created and to ensure they both survive a nuclear attack. Oh, wait, that's not in this movie because this movie has awful, awful music. We're going to take a quick break. (laughs) You can listen to some of that very average soundtrack. We'll be back in a moment. We're back. Here we go. We are going to talk through uh, T3. Um, and I think that probably we're all on the same page here. So let's just line up our boats before we jump into it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's do that. 
Not a great movie, was it? No. Not a great movie. Not a great movie. Um, Some would go so far as to say the first 40 minutes felt like they were directed by a music video director who took a whole bunch of cocaine, watched 18 Jim Cameron movies, and then just used cliff notes. Yeah. It's like Mick G if he just stripped away any essence of style, interest, or understanding of filmmaking and just kept the tediousness. Okay, so see, I was going to say, so then so then, where does that leave Mick G? Because that's essentially what he is. <laughs> oh! Poor Mick G. <laughs> poor Mick G. I enjoy Charlie's Angels. Poor, poor Mick G. Poor Mick G. Like, like, what a horrible name, seriously. Like, he got to know. choose. He, he, he did, did get to choose. choose. He did get to choose. <laughs> right. Yeah, but I think I think it, I think it's good to say at the beginning that none of us are fans of this movie. Um, but I don't I don't want this to just be uh, a cavalcade of just misery and despair. So I I'm, no, because there's some beautiful moments in there. There's yeah. uh, there's a lot of fun in this movie. So we're just gonna let's, you know, let's try and celebrate the the bits that are good because I think there's three. I think there's three bits. There's three bits. So you spot like. the three. I think each of us can find three bits that brought us joy. Okay. That's our challenge in talking about this terrible movie. <laughs> it is like, yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> well, okay. The, the movie starts off uh, with the bomb explosion. Mm-hmm. And I think that this was the perfect metaphor for this movie versus Terminator 1 and 2. Because the bomb explosion is from like a drone aerial position and it's so far away and so inhuman. Mm-hmm. And that's meant to be what connects us with the loss of life. <laughs> Instead of seeing a city destroyed or children in a playground as some kind of beautiful metaphor for the innocence of humanity, why not just like the the vague dissonance of of an explosion? It just does not. You're, yeah, Ugh. you're like, uh, uh, I saw the other one and it had a woman being disintegrated, screaming into a chain link fence. But what if, <laughs> what if we were like in a helicopter four and a half kilometers away? Hmm. That's connective. Yeah, I never. I that opening I never liked because it uh, it kind of what you said it kind of separates everything and and something that is really of i think utmost importance to remember with the first two films is anytime we're in the future war or we're seeing like destruction going on it's always from a human perspective we're always Mm -hmm. looking up at yeah whatever it is you know whether it's the the hunter killer aerial or the tanks or whatever all of a sudden to do what you said this kind of like helicopter tour of what's coming it, it was just a bad decision and well, yeah that's was, i mean that's the first like di- like sin of the film <laughs> what do we see though like in c1 and c2 we see a metal force crushing a human skull you're like cool we've encapsulated the metaphor of this movie this one is like oh so there's no point we're all just going to die anyway cool so that's what this movie is about and then it proceeds to prove that for the next two hours yeah oh i hate the fact i hate the fact that in the opening voiceover <laughs> He's already <laughs> in the opening voiceover. We define, we we redefine the there is no fate, which I think is a beautiful message of both the first and second movie. And we're like, okay, cool. I'm on board with the idea that there is no fate. And the movie proceeds to tell us, yeah, nah, but yeah, nah, there is though. Fate's just what it is. Yeah. Oh, fucking this one has like a bunch of skulls in a lake. And they're like, oh, yeah. Lake Placid. Oh, when, here we when go. he drops the bottle, and then there's a, like a time skip that we're meant to understand happened. I, I <laughs> thought it was like going to be like a loose green message or like something about being eco friendly and, you know, maybe recycling this wouldn't happen. But I think that would be giving it too much credit. Oh, yeah. It was just a, oh, I saw them use skulls in the first couple of movies. Let's do that again. I will tell you this, though, uh, when we're talking about things that we love. 
Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love the sound of the Terminator's guns. Like Terminator blasters are so great. They're just like a perfect pew 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 pew. The, the sound effect for the yeah, I really enjoy the sound design on that. Yeah, and uh, the like the laser that comes out of them. They're like that's really cool. But but again, that's something that T three just kind of misses. You know, it's it 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 doesn't fall in line with what Cameron had you know previously established and it just what the pew pew sounds even the well, well no because like even like something like that just doesn't feel like it's what Cameron wanted you know like I am such a purist when it comes to this stuff <laughs> it's like T1 and T2 and that's it I don't even call this Terminator 3 I just call it Rise of the Machines it's a, it's like a random movie called Rise of the Machines oh man it, yeah <laughs> you've like taken how, like, away its name <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like disenfranchising it literally. Okay, here's, here's one thing I, I like just to move forward a little bit is I appreciate the idea of John Connor becoming a bum. I, th- I think uh, as a motif and as as a, as a story point, the idea of him being a fallen hero I can get behind because without his mother and without the structure of his like Mexican bandito family behind him, I could see him potentially falling off the wagon and going that direction. I'll say, I like that. And I would have liked to have seen his character's journey in this movie, if there was a journey, but there isn't. It's just no. him being a bum for two hours. But he's a real, like, softcore bum. He is. Yeah, like, yeah, like what? Like, like jumping into a, like, like a, like a vet, right? Because that's what he does. He, like, <laughs> like jumping into, like a, like, like, a veterinary clinic and stealing, what, like, dog pills or something? I, like, what does he think that that's going to solve? <laughs> also, he's like, I'm, I've been trained, you know, like, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, living, I'm living under the radar. Like, no one will find me. And like, yeah, I'm pretty sure we'll find you when there's a string of veterinarian clinic break-ins. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> He just felt like he had forgotten all of his training that we were told he was going to get. Yeah, and also, which I could see that I could see the idea of that of like not trying to make him too much of a villain. But then, where's his redemptive arc if he's not hit rock bottom? You know what I mean? Oh yeah. If if he's hit rock bottom, then you're like, okay, cool. This is his story of redemption. But it's not. He's just kind of yeah. He's a soft bum. Look, I'm not telling them how to make a movie, but I want to see him with track marks in his arms, yes. covered in his own puke. All right, maybe missing a foot to diabetes. Let's get him down and dirty. <laughs> oh, then he needs a robot foot. Yes, <laughs> and that's where he stands on the. T- oh, that would have been a better movie. Okay, <laughs> we're not here to fix this. All right, let me let me pause the questions, Eddie. How did you feel about the time bubbles as a purist? The time bubbles, <laughs> um, or is there no one on this podcast? Time testicles. Yeah. Ooh, the time testicles. I love it. So these time testicles were old, raggy. They were they 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 looked they looked so bad. They, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's so CGI. That's the problem with Terminator 3. But I, again, I don't call it that, even though I just did. It's just, it's such a shit fest of CGI that is dated literally just a couple of years afterwards. Because what, we got like King Kong in 2005. And I mean, you just compare that film to T3 and you're like, where, like, where did this movie come from? Like that had to have been 10 years prior it was the it, time I, I think it was an awkward like transitionary period in terms of, like the cgi it was right at the cusp of being really but good it, but, but it shouldn't quite got have yet. been because it's uh terminator was like the alien movies yeah it's yeah, yeah. a practical effects movie yeah. that shows us how to do practical effects right and even terminator 2 showed us how to use cgi right mm-hmm. they were like look we can't pull it off here 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 or here but we can pull it off here yeah there was a there was a simplicity to the to the to the testicles in T one and T two right it was just yep. a well because you didn't even see it in T one no. right that's how, that's how like 
you know, sh- guarded uh, Cameron was with the testicle. He was like, I'm not going to show you this, <laughs> this testicle. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, T2 rolls around and he shows it. And it's such a beautifully simple thing. It just kind of mm-hmm. materializes. Yep. This thing, it, it, it catches a palm tree on fire and, and, and it's like crackling with, with, with... Yeah, and it's got like a weird grid structure around it for some reason. Yeah, it's... Why, it's why, just that's why the have, thing. It's why would it have geometry? So, so that it can know it uses the geometry to map people. Do you not know how three D printing works? <laughs> All right, it's mapping everything <laughs> out. It's working it out in the thing, and then it prints you into it. Uh, that's why, like, if you interrupt it on the other end, you end up with like half of a person. And they're like, ah. There's also like a weirdness with um, it being like R rated, and mm-hmm. it becomes kind of voyeuristic when it's a female. Like the whole point of them being naked was kind of like a almost like an alienness, like a like they're vulnerable and they're kind of weird and like otherworldly. Whereas this one is like sexualized in a way where it's like, oh yeah, why are we presenting this as as a, as a narrative like leaning? Yikes! It's weird. It was yeah because the first one I think the jo- the in Terminator the Terminator the joy of the them having to be naked like mm-hmm. I thought that the fun for me in that structure was you can't bring anything back so it's just pure it is Reese mm-hmm. versus terminator yeah like they whatever they have they got in this time yep. line and that's when we found out that this particular terminator is just a swiss army knife of death for some fucking reason well yeah she's got a plasma cannon in her arm for and a buzzsaw and a flamethrower and and, and the ever important getting pulled over in front of a billboard to tell you how to coerce someone who you're just going to kill anyway uh-huh. Yeah, you know, it's like that kind of stuff is that's where you know the screenwriters were so inept. They were just you know, okay, so now we have a female terminator, right? And we're going to view her exactly the way you just said. That's how it's going to be. We're going to view her in a sexual they didn't manner. They give us so a now, choice. They no, they didn't. It so was, now okay. It's 9 minutes into the movie that her bo- she inflates her boobies. And you're uh, like, "Oh god. Really? Yeah. You know, I mean, I can't imagine being on that film set and being like, all right, uh, uh, enlarge the tits. <laughs> like, Ugh. can you imagine that? We're going to have to do it again. Deflate the boobies. Yeah, I don't know. It was, uh, it, but this this was the first, I think, uh, the first of a bunch of weird kind of slapstick gags that are throughout yes. the movie yeah. for Which no totally reason. Which are totally weird. Totally. They, it's not even that they don't fit... I don't think that they don't fit in the Terminator no. universe because I think things like I'll be back is a yep. that's even that is a slapstick line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I'll be back eh, with this truck. Yeah. That's a gag. But it's a badass gag that's delivered in a really good way. Mm-hmm. You know, if the guy had turned up, you know, if the police officer had turned up, he'd looked at her, her breasts had gone, and then he looks at his her breasts and he's like, uh, and then she'd been like, Shazam! Yeah. Then yeah, we'd yeah. go, oh, I get it. But it wasn't. It was like they slowed it down and went, all right, guys, are you with us? This is pretty funny. You have all the billboards. <laughs> we don't need a billboard to know that men are easily distracted. Men are idiots. <laughs> Let's jump to Arnie's reveal. Arnie's reveal was fine. Again, the time testicle I wasn't a fan of, but Arnie looked fucking amazing considering the, the amount of years that had gone by between T2 and this one. Jesus. He's a very strong man. He, he did a great yeah. job. This is definitely his like kind of last uh, prime-looking film. You mm-hmm. know, it's definitely... And it's ironic that it's separated with the governorship, so it's like 
post governorship, he's kind of you know he's starting to look like the time bubble. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Poor Arnie. he wishes he was that shiny and gridded. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, he, he he looks amazing because he is old and shit in this movie, and he looks he looks tight. Yeah. So okay, can you guys tell me something? He's a T eight fifty, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's supposedly more advanced. Yeah, that's why he has bombs in his stomach. But why does he look older? Um, it how does took it, like, them time how does that make to any do sense? it. I mean, we can use the argument that no one's going to like because it ties into Terminator Genesis, but it could be the argument that he was. Uh, that he had aged like because they've moved on right they have the TX which is the current model so he might be you know multiple years older so he actually aged I don't mind that I I do like the idea of of living tissue over an endoskeleton the idea is that the tissue would degrade over time because it can only like reproduce itself so many times I'm fine with that as an excuse I'll take that all right your point is completely valid we needed like one line from John Connor being like you, you got old. older, yeah. Or like, yeah, you got old, and he's like, "I'm a later model." You know, da, 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 da. I have bombs in my stomach. But they could, yeah, it, very easily they could be like, as the war goes on, we need to age up the soldiers. Yeah. So the robbery happens. He runs in, and we get introduced to um, the badass vet lady, who is John's wife, I guess. Okay. Why did we care about her at all? They did not do a good job of getting buy-in with her. She no. got she got a romantic comedy intro where it was just setting her up that she wasn't happy with her fiance. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She did. Even though they were like, "But he's so great. Oh, but you should do it." And she's like, "I just don't know if he's the one." Should have been more interesting if she was played by J Lo. Yeah. You're trying to turn this into a G Lee situation. Situation? No, like yeah, made in Manhattan. Oh, made okay, that's yeah. fine. <laughs> how, how did you feel about Kate as an intro, as like a character to be introduced into the Terminator franchise? Yeah, you know, Kate. Kate is this thing that I that again ineptness, right? The this whole movie, I would just rework everything about this movie. There's no need for John Connor to have a love interest. I mean, you're literally stepping into romantic comedy territory because I I view this movie as a as an action comedy. And that's not how I should view it. But all of a sudden you're introducing a, like a love interest. And I don't know, it, it plays into this whole thing, right? Because the point of this movie is telling me now, hey, remember that shit you liked about the first two movies telling you that you can create your own future? Mm-hmm. You can't. It's all literally predetermined. Yeah. So introducing a love interest. Okay. It also goes back on the promises that were made by Sarah Connor, right? Is oh. that like, like, cause for me, when I saw T2 as a kid, I was the, uh, you know, my mom was single at the time, you know, and that to me was like, yeah, my mom's badass. Like, this is like, women can do anything and this is strong and amazing. You can make your own fate. And then Razor the Machines was just like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. A woman can do anything if their dad is an admiral. Oh, but the thing is, like, she could have been badass because she was somewhat badass. But we got no buy into her as a person. We got no buy into her relationship with John other than like, oh, we were kid, boyfriend, girlfriend. Because the trick is in in The Terminator, Sarah Connor is not a badass. She spends half the time in her her weird uh, waitress outfit. But the, but the trick behind that is that's because the movie happens real fast. Mm-hmm. It's like it starts and she's like, what the fuck is going on? And then by the time she knows what's going on, Reese is dead and she's kind of done what she can to become strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then this movie, it's kind of like we get from Kate. She goes, what the fuck is going on? John is like, this is what's going on. And she goes, ah. And then the and movie, then, and, and then, then the movie ends. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's the thing I wrote down. Um, story arcs for each character. For Kate, I thought badass vet, 
and then everyone dies, still a badass vest. John, <laughs> reluctant fallen hero, uh, end of movie, reluctant fallen hero, and the T-850, soldier on a mission, ends with him being a soldier on a mission. There's no arc. Oh, so you're looking at it the wrong way. The arc was for Skynet. Because Skynet, <laughs> you know, started subservient and then, you know, okay. found its way. It was started to story? Move. Yes. Right. It's an autobiography. You know that? <laughs> About Skynet self-awareness. Yeah. Before we move too far forward, do we need to talk about Ladies' Night at all? Oh yeah, before we should. Yes, at the Desert Star. <laughs> yes, this this abomination of a scene. <laughs> Go on, Eddie, take us through it. So okay, so you have basically a recreation, right? So inept screenwriters who were like, "All right, so what was a standout scene in T two? The introduction of Arnold walking into that in- insanely badass moment of." I need your clothes, your boots, and your motorcycle. All right, so, Jim, how do we fix that? Like, how do we not make that seem like a total ripoff, but because we really don't know where to take the rest of this movie. I love the way it Yeah, what if he walks into a male stripper night at this bar of all ladies? That's That, that sounds cool, right? And I'm watching this, right? And I remember back in 2003 when I saw this, and I, I think I was in, like, middle school or something. And I remember even then thinking oh my god what are they doing what Mm -hmm. what is happening right now this makes no sense like this is literally stepping over the line i think i remember watching it and being like oh i guess this is funny and then and then when he puts on the elson john sunglasses i was like oh no this isn't funny this is just this is just stupid it was it it did kind of feel like a scene out of like a scary movie four yes yes yeah where they were like like if you had to write a science fiction movie too then you'd be like oh wouldn't it be funny guys if the terminator went into a strip club and they were like woo you're like yeah that's yeah yeah that that, that would be that's in a movie that would be a a really later stage Zemeckis film that's bad oh you know what would be really funny is like when he goes to get his glasses imagine if they were glasses that were inappropriate to his character type and how about we like we use a a phrase that's really popular and really of the now and make him say talk to the hand that's Uh, gonna pay off so much later and be culturally relevant for years to come <laughs> Something I will say though is uh, talking about bright spots in the film. What? Because we have to list three, right? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> you could try. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So here we go. Here's a stretch, right? The first bright spot, honestly, I think is the guy doing the doing the dance. I think he literally he was instructed to okay do your do your dance, right? Arnold's gonna come up to you and you're gonna look at him and you're gonna deliver this line and deliver it however you want. And the guy came to the conclusion of delivering, whoa, bitch, wait your turn. <laughs> that guy's the first bright spot. He was pretty delightful. Yeah. <laughs> Out of context, I would have really enjoyed that scene. Mm. It's just with all the history I had attached to touch it. <laughs> I'll be honest, I still enjoyed it, but only with the that actor empathy where I was like, oh my God, how fun would that role have been? <laughs> Yeah. Like, you imagine, like, it's 2003, you know, like, you're still, Arnie is still a mega star at yep. this point. Um, he, to be able to be like, whoa, bitch. <laughs> it was just, <laughs> ah, it made me and, happy. And why is he perfectly wearing the size that Arnold needs? Well, that's a that's a that's a fun trope that happens in every single Terminator movie that he comes across. Well, I mean, dear lord, the guy they casted like looks like me. I'm like, <laughs> I have no muscle on me whatsoever. 
You think that's worrying? The weirdest part is the fact that he spends the whole movie with Velcroed pants. <laughs> At any point, he could just rip those pants off. Oh. And that means, what, is he wearing like a, like a leopard thong or something absurd? Oh, if that had paid off, yes. if that paid off, I would have enjoyed that so much more. Uh, when the TX is like, like clawing yeah, yeah. her way up, she grabs his pant leg and then it just tears away. <laughs> it just tears away. Yeah. You see what's underneath. He's got oh like LED flashing like, oh. thong. God, that would have paid it off so nicely. Why didn't that happen? I think we've celebrated oh, something there. And then, and then he looks down at her and goes, no touching. <laughs> oh, with your turn, bitch. <laughs> with your turn, bitch. I love it. Okay, the moment where John sees the T850 for the first time. And we have that beautiful moment in T2. When Sarah Connor sees the T-800 for the first time, it's an amazing moment where this like character who had haunted her and made her feel like horrendous for a while, and she saw him for the first time, and you have that real dramatic, terrifying moment. And in this movie, John Connor sees his dad, his robot dad, his surrogate father, and he goes, oh, it's you. Are you here to kill me, I guess? What was that? And he turns to him and he goes, it's time. <laughs> it's your time. Yeah. John Connor, it is time. You're like, it's time. Time, <laughs> time for, for what? Time yeah. like, <laughs> Just, he knows, the robot knows that this thing has come back in horrifying ways and so on and so forth. Like He dressed himself specifically to, to reference that. Yeah. Here's the thing. First thing you do is you say, I'm not here to kill you. You put your hands up. You're like, hey, it's fine. I don't have any roses. We're doing great. Or even better, I'm back. Oh, cool. perfect moment to use the line that, that we're waiting for. Dumb. Uh, yeah, because what their first their first encounter is after that in, like incredibly over the top CGI fest of a ripoff of essentially the chase in T two, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Including then, the it, same car. Was it the same maybe. car? It's the, uh, so it's a, it's a, the, so the the truck they have is a similar it's a oh, right. uh, a Ute truck conversion yeah, yeah, yeah. that they swap over to in Terminator Two so they hop into like I think the guy has chickens or something in it oh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. the Vets car is the same type of car as that so it's like they're even giving a nod to that oh okay. So uh, another Easter egg is Jose, who was the first person that uh, the TX killed. Mm. Where did he work? It was Jim's. Oh, Jim's. Oh, because oh, Jim. James Cameron. Jim Cameron. Uh-huh. And then uh, what was the name of the cat that got brought into the vet? Hercules. Oh, Hercules in New York. Is that the reference? I imagine so. That'd be cool. I guess. It's like Are you talking ro- about the uh, the drive-through that was on the other side? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, was that drive-through on the wrong side? Yeah, the drive-thru is definitely on the wrong side. She pulls up, <gasps> and it would, be right. as though, it would be as though the passenger was getting the food. Yes, but we didn't tag that because we drive on the wrong side. Yeah, true. <laughs> Wouldn't it be weird if like somebody was like such a fan well, that they like embed all these little Easter eggs into the movie? It would be like someone like taking a shit and then just writing your name on it and going, look, I put your name on this piece of shit, and you go, thanks. They might, like when they were like, "Hey, uh, James, you'll notice we called the takeaway place Jim's." And James would be like, "I'm not watching this crap." 
please for change the nothing name. to do with this. <laughs> Why did they do product placement of Toyota Tundra? That was very, like, obviously stated. <laughs> it's a Toyota Tundra. Did I get that right? Toyota Tundra. Yes, the very important Toyota Tundra. Like, nobody cares. It's not a car that people are buying. When is that particular thing uh, mentioned? Kate's describing what vehicle he's in to the police. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's a yeah. Toyota Tundra. Tundra. Yeah, and then they have, like, <laughs> then they have later, they're, they're like, yes, uh, they were seen in a Toyota Tundra. <laughs> Just say, say a truck or something, you'll be fine. This whole movie, at this point, I had to take a break from the movie because the pace of editing was so just like, dun, 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 dun. Because they, oh God, they just, they smash up suburbia, right? Yeah, and then, it's just a chase for way too long. It doesn't feel like there's any stakes attached because we, we're not fully sold on John or his relationship with Kate or anything. It's just a lot of noise. Or even the importance of the, of the Terminator. No. Like the T850, we didn't really care. We were like, I don't know. And... Right, uh, Wiley Coyote alert. When he's hanging on the, so he's on the crane, he's hanging. She sees the fire truck. All right, so he's shot of him turning. The fire truck hits him, thump sound, and then it cuts to a shot of the crane thing go hook going. Yeah, I was like, oh, this is not the right movie. <laughs> and if well, I'm not mistaken, wasn't that all Arnold's idea? He really petitioned for that that scene to happen. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think he paid 1.3 million out of his paycheck to get that scene in. God, Arnold. God, I mean, it was better a cool, than that. It was a cool scene, but yeah, it just uh, didn't have any context. No. Arnie took 20% of the profits from this movie. 20%? Yeah, he did. <laughs> he, he got paid 90, uh, $29.5 million, and he got 20% of, of profit revenue. To be fair, he did he, 90% of the acting. He, he did. He did. He played a robot, and he carried this film through his personality because nobody else had one. That's insane. I genuinely, throughout this movie, I was like, Arnie is great. Everyone else is so bad. I just don't understand. Well, no, honestly, I, I get serious douchebag vibes from Arnie in this film. He's a total asshole to John. Yeah. And he's not likable at all. No, it, I think it, that's it, why it, I liked him. That's it, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because John's such a snivelly little weasel dude that's like, yeah, you probably do need a, a Terminator who is like essentially like a drill sergeant or like a like an angry dad, like my dad. All right, let's jump, let's jump past the chase because it just goes on forever and it's not that interesting. Oh, it lasts so long. And then the, they... the only bit that we, that we do need to mention is the hyper violent move that the TX does when she bursts her hand through a guy's stomach, which came out of nowhere. How is that in a Terminator movie? <laughs> I mean, that almost doesn't even feel like something Cameron would have done, you know? Like, that definitely doesn't feel like that's almost, that's almost like Halloween, Friday the 13th kind of shit going no, on. No, even, even, yeah. even Halloween and Friday the 13th wouldn't have had that level of, like, unnecessary gore. If you watch Halloween, it's, it's a solid movie in terms of the amount of, like, gore that it shows because it's barely any, it's off screen, and then you see the aftermath. Like, Cameron would have done it the same way he did it pointer through the eye where you would have seen the aftermath of it not the actual impact and it could have just been a, a shot of her hand through the guy's body driving and it, you would have got the gist you didn't need to see that you, it could have honestly been the camera goes over to her and she's like thank you you hear it you like yeah. you see her move she transforms back into her mm -hmm. and we're like what the fuck and then you just cut to her hand driving and you go like oh. the three hands on the helicopter yeah 
yeah, yeah. So you have that, like, it's just this subtle thing where you might not, where you're just like, wait, what just happened? Yeah, that would have been cool. And then left in your imagination rather than being like, whoa. Because it also, that was a lot. the way that the median of film showed it to us made it celebratory, right? That she was like mm-hmm. taking pleasure in that. Yes, yes. Whereas everything else, the Terminators have always. Yeah, it's clinical. It's it's just termination. It's just terminate. It's just termination. <laughs> That's all it is. I, my, my wife said. So did she kick through him as well? How is she dry? How is she accelerating? And I was like, Oh yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that pissed me off because the car spun around and accelerated, and I was like, Yeah, yeah, like it. It really was like a quick. All of a sudden, she's driving, and then the car turns around. But you know something is this movie is so tame in comparison to T1 and T2. And then all of a sudden you get this, like you said, this just this random one moment of, oh my God, like this this is what the this is what the movie should have done, gone, you know, maybe back but a notch or two. Daylight in the middle of the day. Like it wasn't yeah. even like like I think that Cameron might have done that in darkness in, yeah, in maybe. like yeah. but it's just like kids are riding their bikes on the street. <laughs> yeah, but then I mean you compare that to when she kills the fiance and you see nothing. So as far as I know, all she did was bring her saw down on the bed, and inside the bed there happened to be like packets of ketchup, and that's what squirted. <laughs> right? Like, how do I know she actually killed him? She's like, "You'll be fine. You're you're, an, be fine. you're an uninteresting character." All right, so we'll jump to um, stomach bombs. Arnie has bombs in his stomach. That's important for later on. Odd, the idea that he has these like very volatile power systems kept in his like internal mm-hmm. gut unit. It's like one of the it in his ass or in his knee nah you want it in the middle there so he can get to it to use as a bomb yeah and where people can shoot like if you had to if you had to have grenades on your body like where would you sooner have them nipples or up your butt i'd have them on my nipples so i can grab them and throw them at people well, let's jump to the mausoleum this is where we get the, the guns and stuff and a whole bunch of exposition mm. so sarah connor is his dad she died of cancer Oh god! Oh, yeah, she, yeah, yeah. She, yeah, she's gone. They're killing like, her. You off guys screen. cared about her? No, no one cared about Sarah Connor. Get her ass out of here. They didn't even leave it open. No. I wish that he'd been like she got leukemia and I never saw her again. Mm-hmm. And it's like that great. would be better. She, cause yeah, she that. we don't need her to. Cause he was, he was like, yeah, she did. <laughs> And he's honestly, so battle ready. Honestly, if you guys like, like, if people know the backstory about how that went with Linda Hamilton being asked to come back mm. and declining, that like you view that scene in a whole new fashion, and that's basically the writers giving her a middle thing. It's a really weak gesture to her legacy. Oh my god, it's so it's, it's so weak, I mean, and that's why Dark Fate better right the wrongs of you know, and that's yeah. why. That's going to be hopefully the true Terminator 3. And then from here on out, we just call this movie Rise of the Machines. Yeah. And Rise of the Inept Screenwriters. Oh. <laughs> hey, John Broncato I, oh. and Michael Ferris, I'm calling you out. Yes, you guys. John Broncato and Michael Ferris. <laughs> what about the other 17 writers? <laughs> the, uh, so this scene, the crypt scene, is a really weird one because they have the face shot. Where he catches a bullet in his mouth. Oh, yeah, yeah. Again, that's just a weird, like, slapstick scene that feels like it's in an, from another movie. Where we had, like, a, a guy's chest get burst through, not 10, 15 minutes ago. Why don't we just have, like, a bullet embedded in his face? Instead, we get this kind of vaguely humorous magic trick of him being like, I caught it in my mouth. And you're like, what? How? And you're like, ah. Yeah. Have it go through his cheek and ricochet off. Have it like yeah, and then that would have been a kind of cool practical effect. Even that as a as a gag would be more interesting if she shot at him and it ricocheted off his forehead and then like bing, 
bing, bing. <laughs> yeah. And they were like, oh, oh. And she was like, oh. You're a robot. <sighs> Instead, he could have just been a magician. <laughs> I did like the imagery of Arnie carrying the coffin. Because I felt like that was a physical like metaphor for the movie of him carrying the movie. Ooh, I like it. Mm. Plus, when uh, when the toys came out, that was like the like the number one toy. Do you guys remember that from McFarlane? Yeah. <laughs> him carrying the coffin. Yeah. You could actually have a, like an action figure of him holding that coffin. So great. Here's the Terminator franchise. I'm sorry, guys. Yeah, I tried. <laughs> I'm doing I'm doing the best I can. It's just filled with scripts from James Cameron that never got finished before yeah. this got made. Kate, we've got Kate out running. They do like a little bit of blowing up the Terminator X and Kate realizes that her fiance, who we were all deeply invested in, is now dead. Boo-hoo. And then they have, basically they just go to someone's campground (laughs) and spend about an hour packing their guns onto a table. Yeah, because they're in a rush and, you know, Judgment Day's coming, so let's chat for a bit. So do you want to hear the classic slapstick gag that they put in this scene for no reason? When they pull Shoot. up in, in the smashed up hurts, he they stop. He goes to open the door and the door falls out and falls down. And he's like, womp, womp. Funny. But what preceded that was, we're going to need a new vehicle. <laughs> Which is like, oh, you just don't need him to say it. No. We're going to turn off down here. We're going to unload our guns. We're actually going to take this RV. I'm in the movie right now. This is my character's lines. <laughs> Now, was that truck that they that they went under, was that... Because, like, wasn't there, like, a real kind of lingering shot on that truck? Was that an actual brand? Oh, yeah, because it was, like, some kind of medicine brand. I did tag it, but I can't remember the name. <laughs> it was, like, Exedrin like the, or something. They're getting sponsored by, like... Uh, I, think, I think it was, like, Exedrin RX or something. It was, like, a headache tablet. No shit. They probably gave those out free when the movie was in theaters. <laughs> you're you're, you're going to need a couple of these. So, so, uh, yeah, so I just bring up. two hours with my jaw clenched in frustration. There was, like, <laughs> there was a line from Arnie where it was like, your levity is good. And I just thought, no, no, it isn't. No, it isn't. <laughs> it's not very well written. But also his, his, like, your levity is good. And then he's like, I'm programmed in human psychology. Yeah. Then, like, two minutes later, John's like, how are me and her going to hook up? And he's like, I don't understand relationships. How do you have any understanding of human psychology without relationships? N- yeah. No concept of relationships. Doesn't make any sense. Oh, God. My database does not encompass the dynamics of human pe- pair bonding. <laughs> and then John and- goes to kill himself because, you know, we were all kind of feeling that way. <laughs> yeah, this movie is very telling of its audience. I mean, they, 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 they did know how... Like a vast majority of the people would probably process this movie. <laughs> and they, were and they like, left no, no, in some little things. This, they're like, Arnold's there to go, it's okay. Let's keep, you got, we need you to stick around. It's okay. Stick with us because you guys have no idea how this movie's going to end. We didn't tell you. We're not about to tell you. <laughs> stick with it. Of like the majority of the audience for this movie going like, yeah, do it, John. Do it. Do it. Do it. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> you, you don't want your protagonist going to commit suicide and half of your audience being like, yeah, do go it. Ahead. Just do it, John. Just do it. Yeah, now, can I just it. pause here and, 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 and ask you guys, can you imagine just recasting that scene but putting Edward Furlong in there? Exactly. I honestly think he might have been able to sell it because, I mean, mm-hmm. we knew that he, you know, he was really going through some difficult times and that's why he's not in the movie. Mm-hmm. And and it, it might have taken on a, like, a much darker kind of thing. I don't know if I would have presented him as trying to take his own life, but anytime I watch the movie, I always go, I wonder how Furlong 
would have felt in this movie? Would he have like raised the quality of the film? I don't know. I, but, I genuinely think it would have. I think I think the difference between whatever the guy is in this, but Eddie Fitzgerald, yeah, whatever. <laughs> He's not in anything else. <laughs> but Eddie Phelan has a, a he has a genuine charisma. You can feel his empathy. You can, you can. He's a very connective performer, and I just think they did such a poor job in casting Eddie Phelan that it was it was pretty much flawed from the get go because he's just not. I don't, I don't like him throughout the movie, and there's never a redeeming moments with this dude. But if you, so if, yeah, if you corrected this scene to go like, so if I was to James Cameronize it mm-hmm. in yep. my mind, you put. Eddie Furlong back in there. You set it, you know, at dusk. So like the sun's coming down. You know, you don't have him holding a gun. You have a gun on a table, you know, checking some Chekhov's gun business going on. Then the Terminator is telling him all these things. You can see him realizing that. And then all he has to do is like, look at the gun and walk to it with intention. And the Terminator can step in front of him. And and then now you have the moment where he doesn't have the gun, but he wants the gun because he wants to end it. And now it's this heightened thing of, is the Terminator, are going to stand in his way mm-hmm. without him being like gun to the forehead which is drama uh, like like unearned silly like big drama especially with how his where he was at as a character you're like mm. this isn't rock bottom for that character no that's the thing <laughs> like he watched his mother die of leukemia <laughs> you know he's and he's been told his whole life that this was coming and then now he's going oh but it is coming yeah, really rock bottom is probably him breaking into a veterinary clinic and finding an empty, you know, pill bottle. That's that's really where that would have made sense. He goes, Oh shit, there's no pills in here. I'm gonna, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna end my life. <laughs> yeah, and then, well, which would have given him more of a like, oh, his reason to live is all of this. But that's the, that's the thing that I think is missing is like it never feels like he's an active protagonist. It feels like he's always responding to whatever's going on around him rather than driving the action. And that's the thing with Eddie Fairlong is that the journey that we saw him go on, you could see the glimmers of the leader that he was going to be and the empathy he had for human life. And so you grew to understand that, oh yeah, this guy is definitely going to be a leader in the future. Whereas this dude never has a moment where you're like, oh yeah, I can see this guy being a, a, a hero or even just a good person. He's just, he's just, he's just along for the ride. Oh. He is. He is. And it, it, it just leaves you completely disconnected from him. And especially that scene really felt like a handing over where I was like, Kate, where were you? Mm. Where were you at the start of this movie? Like, we didn't want to see you at a shopping mall. We wanted you to be the protagonist. Yeah. Like, you should have been in charge. John doesn't know what's going on. Oh, speaking of Kate, let's jump to Kate's wonderful entrance. Daddy. <laughs> daddy. Daddy, daddy. Oh, oh God. <laughs> Well, how do we explain, how how do you guys explain how this even happened? Like, how did this technology get in the hands of, it just so happened to be, John Connor's wife's father? Like, how did that come to be? Like, I've never been able to explain that. Because obviously we have to assume it's the arm at the end of T2, right? Yeah. So they, um, oh, it's in the deleted scene. It is in the, yeah, it's in the deleted scene. The Sergeant William Candy bullshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <gasps> How dare you speak ill of Sergeant Candy? He's my favorite character. He's my favorite thing in T3. And he, he's not even in it, so there's that. He didn't even make it. For those of you listening who are not familiar with Sergeant... Wait, what was his full Jim. name? Sergeant William Candy. Sergeant Sergeant William Candy is... Yeah, just jump onto YouTube and search Sergeant Candy and it, and it will come up. It's a deleted scene from T3, which uh, tries to explain why all the T-800s look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, Sergeant Candy is a Southern Army General who... <laughs> 
who has an insane southern accent and they and, modeled and a real can-do attitude <laughs> yes uh, a real I'm chief master sergeant william candy yeah. in a very squeaky voice too he's very yeah, he squeaky does that, up, that squeak up at the candy <laughs> <laughs> and so it's revealed that that's who the T-800 is based off and you're like okay that's a reasonable thing I guess besides the weird accent and then we cut to um, another guy saying I don't know about the accent and then the guy who definitely looks Germanic says we can fix it and it's Arnie's voice it, it's worth watching it's and if you're, if you're thinking I can't imagine Arnold trying to pull off a southern American accent don't think about it because it is 100% dubbed over <laughs> Not very well either. Ah, but it filled me with joy. I did enjoy it. So Skynet goes batshit. Oh, Skynet. And the TX <laughs> snuck in there somehow, which is fine. It's only a very, uh, you know, it's only a clandestine military base. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's in there making trouble with the T1s. Yeah, which kind of look like really cheap versions of Ed from... Ed 209? Ed 209. Yeah, they look like a, like a pear-shaped Ed 209. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> The, the fight between the Terminators, I actually quite liked them in the bathroom just smashing stuff. Like, I was just like, because the movie had slowed down enough that I was actually ready for an action scene. Okay, but the crotch grab was the worst. <laughs> yeah. Just so weird and unnecessary. And then she just smashes them through a bunch of walls and then through the floor, presumably by his groin. But the problem with it isn't necessarily i mean it is a it's a problem her grabbing the crotch it's arnold then making the motion of <laughs> yeah, the, like, yeah you're like you don't there's nothing down there bro like you're, you're a robot you well, know what's was, that was a sideways head tilt of like huh oh yeah my, like my penis that was there. <laughs> it's like no that's just another piece of the equipment yeah i i would say I enjoy smashy smashy fight scenes with, with the Terminator. I think like it, it's a stock and trade of watching them like smash into shit. Previous iterations, there seems to be more of an aftermath to each smash. This one feels like they're just playing in a big room of styrofoam, which makes it less impactful. Yeah, it felt like you were watching a baseball game where every hit was a home run. Yeah. You're just like, I get it. Cool. All right. Yeah, they're just a smash. Smash. Yeah. Also, we had like her turning her head around 360 degrees, doing an exorcist like leg thing. It was. Yeah, which I wasn't like super against, but didn't add anything. <laughs> That's the thing is it didn't add like it didn't add anything and it wasn't cool enough that you were like, yeah. Mm. Well, plus they like fall through a roof at one point. Mm-hmm. How did they fall through the roof? Like, I like I would have enjoyed seeing the like the the beginnings of them falling through a roof. All of a sudden, they're just crashing through a roof, and I'm yeah. left wondering why haven't they been doing that since the beginning? These things must weigh like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Especially Arnold. Arnold weighs a ton. A guy literally said that early on in the movie. He did, yeah. This guy weighs a ton, which made yeah. me very happy. <laughs> that just that moment where he tries to lift him and he just keeps trying yeah, to lift yeah. him like he's That's like. Right. And the other guy doesn't offer to help because he doesn't believe that Arnold can be that heavy. He's clearly just like, what the hell? Just lift him up. I'm not. I'm not doing your work. All right. So smash, smash, smash. Um, gets, <laughs> he, he gets his head kicked off. Yeah, he gets reprogrammed. Uh, Oh, my favorite lie. So this is a happy point for me is um, the one thing that beats exposition is running exposition. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) When Kate's running out to the plane, she goes, there's my father's plane. I trained on it. (laughs) 
that's amazing it's so great like it's just so such bad writing like it could have been at any point earlier like her dad could have been like you remember when i taught you to fly it could have been any other time but it was just it felt like it was from the room yeah 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 Yeah. oh hi plane my father taught me how to fly this it needed or even just like you've got advanced military weaponry maybe the planes already pre-programmed to fly to specific destinations there's ways of, around it where you don't have to suddenly have the baddest vet also be a qualified pilot out of nowhere uh, i will say that uh i did like i do like him smashing up the car but that, I did like that. that might just be the child in me who grew up playing street fighter yes yes that's what i thought of too <laughs> it's just oh, like street fighter e honda smashing the car i yeah, was like yeah, yeah perfect uh, people don't like just punch cars enough it's fun smashing uh, I, so he John hops in the plane and uh, Kate turns to him as they're taking off and she's like the plane noise is going she's like what happened and John turns to her and he's like it was an anti-climax really a bit of a letdown kind of feels like the movie is over but I guess we've got another 15 minutes and then they're like <laughs> so they land then helicopter boom bigger copter boom yep Arnie comes back. I did like him. Um, I thought the CGI on his face wasn't wasn't too bad in that moment where he's got his face like proper ripped up and you could see a lot of the exoskeleton. I, it was nice to see the Terminator like that. Mm-hmm. That was cool. And then he actually had a good one-liner when he when he finished the TX. Uh, you're terminated. I'm like, yep, that's what you do. One thing I, I don't understand about Terminators and it's a thing that annoys me, but in this, when the TX is about to, is, is like frustrated and angry, it follows its brow and it looks irritated. And to yeah. me, to me, a machine should never be frustrated or irritated by a situation because they're robots. They shouldn't be able to feel things. Well, then, I mean, because then plus she also like yells too, doesn't she? She's yeah. like yelling yeah. after John because she's not like, because like the, because the T-850 is holding her back. So she's trying to get away. She's like a kid, you know? But yeah. she was getting yeah, real like, feral I definitely in agree. that moment. So if you want to know where that comes from. Yeah, I, I think the only thing what in T2 is when he shows emotion is at the very end when he gets, when the, when the, when the T-800 shoots him with the grenade launcher yeah he has that one moment where he looks up and he's like surprised yeah that's so what they were trying to do with her and that emotion was they were trying to do a nod to when the t-1000 gets melted down so they have the same screeches and uh animalistic cyborg noises where it's like yeah so that's what i think they were trying to nod to but it he would try yeah because it works when the idea is that he's made of liquid metal and he's boiling down all of his circuits are shutting down and bubbling up and boiling over it doesn't work when it's like she's got half of her body if anything terminator one taught us she would just be like fucking lock in yes, let's just, get just it driven. done because that's the cool thing about the about in particularly in the terminator it's just how relentless it was in its mission it does, it's not like oh this is annoying i've just lost my legs i'm angry now that's not a way that's not a machine Anyway, uh, boom, boom. she's dead. He's uh, yeah. dead. Apparently, the set designer really enjoyed playing the games of Fallout and put together a retro bunker for us to live oh, in. It was really retro, wasn't it? Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, it mm-hmm. was. And then John's in charge. A boom, boom, boom. Never stop fighting. John's like, oh, maybe we should stop fighting. And Kate's like, yeah, we should totally kill ourselves. <laughs> I didn't get that the first time I watched it, but when I rewatched it, I was like, oh. That was dark, wasn't it? I didn't, yeah, I didn't they like that. They were one second away from dying. So they went to Crystal Peak because mm-hmm. they believed that's where Skynet was. Mm-hmm. And that was information given to them by her dad mm-hmm. and the Terminator. Did they both fuck them over just to get them in the bunker? Yes. Okay. So her dad and the robot were on the same page. Yes. Fucking them over, making them think they were doing anything they couldn't do. 
Because I, I think the, her dad said Crystal Peak, and then my understanding was that because the Terminator answered what it was, mm-hmm. so the Terminator knew where it was. He was like, "It's a you know secret bunker, blah blah blah." So the Terminator knew, oh, if we can get them to this bunker, then they will live, and that's his one objective. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. So, the, so that's, yeah. that, that's the thing: is the machine didn't learn anything. It didn't change. It didn't go through any kind of change. It just completed the mission that it wanted <laughs> it to do. Yeah, it's a machine, Mike. Okay. Stop asking for a real narrative. I mean, we have to remember that in the future he killed John Connor. So, right? Remember, he's yeah, yeah, he, yeah. in he's a lot of ways. Kills John Connor. He's very lucky because as a robot, he's getting to fulfill two like two life goals. <laughs> because for him, by saving John Connor, <laughs> he gets to kill him in the future. <laughs> He's guaranteeing like yeah. a double success. That is true. Battle has just begun. The the lights fade down. We're going to black. And then this amazing song plays. And I was like, oh, what an incredible song. Oh, fuck. It's the theme song from Terminator. Where the hell have you been the entire movie? Yeah. All right. Marco it, Beltrami. Yeah, Marco Beltrami. But he turned it into like an orchestral thing. And that does not vibe well with Terminator. It doesn't have that same. The second you bring in a giant-ass orchestra to make the theme, you're losing the kind of the simplicity that Brad Fidel brought to it, right? All of a oh. sudden, you have a bunch of these, like, horns and shit going off, and it's just... I'll be honest, again, I, just, I was so desperate that I did not care. Yeah, I, I didn't care. I was just like, it just I, went, I agree. Nur, 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 and I was like, thank you. Yeah. Mm, oh, God, I'm glad this is over. I'm going to say quickly, the movie ends by shitting on the whole theme of the first two movies by solidifying the idea of fate is fate to destroy the the actual core message of the first two movies from James Cameron. It's a good episode. All right, we're going to take a quick break. It's time for the post-credit pitches. Uh, with the advent of Marvel's success, it seems like every movie has a post-credit pitch, mm-hmm. uh, post-credit scene. Okay, this is this is mine. I want from the explosion that happened between the T eight fifty and the TX is that they actually managed to fuse and merge into one TX eight hundred fifty, and so it's basically Arnie, but like with long hair and boobs. <laughs> what and he, that like he pushes just, out from underneath? Yeah, the... and, he, and he just walks in and goes, "I'm back." Oh, and it's just Arnie with boobs. <laughs> I would accept it only if they like heard a noise in the bunker and then they both like creeped up and they look up and there's like a, a, a partition or something and Arnold just comes up from behind the partition with his weird like half female like you know thing and he just goes oh hello <laughs> Mrs. Doubtfire I love yeah. I gonna pitch one where we have Linda Hamilton comes in at the last minute. <gasps> yeah, and so they Ooh, have I like a, it. So they have like it's a like remote like Mexi- like island in the Gulf of Mexico, um, and so all we see is her like on the on an island, all military dressed up, like with mm-hmm, a bunker, mm-hmm, little mm-hmm. bunker in the background, like a World War Two style bunker. And so all it is is it's the shot starts looking up at the sky, and you see like the rocket trails in the sky, and then it pans down, and you see the beach. And you see like some of the equipment yeah and then it's just linda hamilton like cleaning a, an m16 and she just looks up at, at the fire you know with a knowing nod and then it's like boom black 
I like that a lot. That's good. And 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 that would be a good way to uh, tie in uh, Linda Hamilton. It probably would have got her excited too, because apparently she had no interest in in the script, and I don't blame her. Yeah, so. we've had to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> have you got one? I do. So I approach this sort of like in a meta twisty kind of way right so we get that narration from john connor you know the battle has just begun and then we see the flicker of the of the t-800s or the t-850s light and then it goes out Mm -hmm. cuts the black all of a sudden the camera um and 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 the screen comes back up and it's just it's like the it's like the bunker set behind you all of a sudden it's very meta and out steps jonathan mostow comes in front of the camera and he goes so there we go, guys. That is our uh, test screening of a movie that is going to be tentatively titled Terminator 3. Um, you were, as, as, as you entered the theater, you were given uh, cards. Uh, feel free to leave comments. And at the very bottom, you're going to see, should this be part of the Terminator franchise? Please let us know. We, we had such a great time making this movie. I'm Jonathan Mostow. It's been a pleasure. And then it cuts to black. And we get the and, and, and we get the Marco Beltrami score. So it's very meta. And that would have solved the issue because this would be back in 2003. And this movie wouldn't have never gotten a theatrical release because people would have been like, I have no idea what I just watched. So that's how I approached the post credit. <laughs> You're thing. like, how can I how can I subvert this towards my own goals? You're kind of just giving the movie an out from existence. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's how I approached it. Like, it's I don't very, want this it's movie to exist. It's a very high-level version of, like, uh, and then we cut back, and then all of a sudden, like, Eddie Furlong, like, he wakes up, and he's, like, sweaty, and he's like, oh, my God. And then Linda Hamilton walks up and goes, are you okay? And he goes, I had that dream again. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, then- no, and then... <laughs> And then, and then you can kind of tie that into the Sarah Connor Chronicles because that kind of that like that would fit in. So that's sort of like maybe his envisioning of what's going on. Yeah, yeah, let's go. That. Yeah, that's insane. I like it. Yep. I, I also um, so I have a like I think it would be a fun one is when we after Black we cut back and it Doctor Silberman and he's like watching the video of uh, Sarah Connor describing exactly what's going to happen. So he's got like the VHS out mm-hmm. and he's just like no no and she's describing like the you know what's going to happen and just over his shoulder in the background the like a bomb <laughs> just lands and explodes and just goes and then blackness. That's quite nice. That would have been cool. Yeah, that's very validating for Sam. I like it. I'm back, baby. Pitch the sea. Okay, Hollywood is calling, and for some reason, Terminator 3 this time, in this universe that we're talking about, was actually very successful. What would your sequel to this movie be? Guys, this is so hard. Like, you really have, (laughs) you really have no idea how much I have disdain for Terminator 3. Like, it's, this was the really tricky one. I'm really excited about the reboot thing. (laughs) The sequel thing. The sequel thing, I have no idea, honestly. I'm going to throw this back to you guys. I have no idea how you would actually continue the story, keeping everything intact with Terminator 3. Obviously, they tried, and... I stand by respecting our guests' wishes, and some things just don't need to be considered. Do we really need to think about a sequel to this movie? Okay, I'm just going to quickly pitch. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's how this movie got made, Mike. Yeah. Don't quickly pitch. Picture the, the show Mad About You, right? <laughs> but Mad About You, where Paul Reiser is, is um, mm-hmm. John, John Connor. Connor, and it takes place in a bunker. That's my pitch. Is there a like bunker. an audience track in the background? Yes. 
definitely an audience definitely. track. And there's like 24 uh, episodes per season and it goes on for <laughs> way longer than you think it would. And it wins like Golden Globes. Helen Hunt makes an appearance. It's, it's a good time. So are they on their own or do they have guests? No, they have like people who call in, but then slowly like they die off and it's just them. <laughs> it's getting more and more bleak. Yeah. And then they, like, they make a dog out of like scraps of paper. And that talks sometimes. This is horrifying. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, so we're moving on to our next segment. Um, this is going to be um, called Das Reboot. Das Reboot. Who would you cast and what do they do? All right. We live in a time of reboots. Everything's getting rebooted. Reboot it all. Boot it from the boots up to the top of the hat. Um, Eddie, what is your reboot? Honestly, like one of my favorite scenes in the film is the incredibly bad uh, opening with him going into the bar, right? And that bar is called Desert Star Cocktails. Um, or maybe just Desert Star, and then I think underneath it says cocktails. So mm-hmm. I would reboot this as Arnold comes back to the future, and he his mission now is to go to that bar. He, it, it's not about saving John Connor or anything. His mission is to go to the bar. He walks in the bar, and this turns out to be, this is a reboot, which is called Desert Star, and it's also a spiritual <laughs> sequel to Tom Cruise's 1988 classic, Cocktail. <laughs> yes. He walks in, and lo and behold, we now have, in the same film, which I don't think has ever happened, Tom Cruise and Arnold Schwarzenegger, and it is now just literally, take Cocktail, but just include Arnold throughout the entire thing. And it's literally about him as a machine trying to learn how to become the best, co- like, like the best bartender bar. he can. Yeah. He has to learn flair. Flair. <laughs> what is and, the, and, where is this building to in the narrative? Does he have a, a oh, mission that we're going to find out towards the end of the film? Um, maybe towards the end of the film, you, you, like, you realize, obviously, we have Elizabeth Shue come back from Cocktail. Um, maybe you have a, like a tie-in at the end. Maybe you have a tie-in at the end uh, of her being connected to a man named Kyle Reese. No, and, and, and obviously this would be a comedy. So in the middle of the thing would be his like training montage because of course you need a training montage oh, yeah. with Arnold. Mm-hmm. And it would just be like to like whatever kind of music you want. It would just be a quick cut thing of like Tom Cruise trying to teach him how to flip a bottle, and he would like flip it, catch it, and like crush it, and 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 all this kind of stuff. Obviously, it's a comedy, but yeah, it's called Desert Star, coming in twenty twenty. <laughs> and he crushes it, and he looks confused, and, and Tom laughs, and then they do it again. Oh. And then it cuts to him, but he's like cutting the skin off his arm it's and showing yeah. his exoskeleton. <laughs> Tom's just horrified. <laughs> I'm into it. Desert Star. And it's directed by McG. Yeah. I actually do quite like the movie Cocktail, so I'm very into this. I love Cocktail. Oh, it's good. I like it. It's great. So here we go. Final thoughts. Um, I thought Kristana Loken was uh, perfectly cast, but given awful material. Yeah. Uh, She's she's also a pretty bright spot in the film, and... uh, um, it's a shit show. It's it's an abomination to the franchise. It literally is the start of the downward spiral. So, coming from a diehard Terminator fan, it just is. If I were to give it a one to ten, it's a it's a zero. Uh, <laughs> I have to say, I don't disagree with that. I, it took me three sittings to get through the movie because the editing style was so erratic and yep. the soundtrack was so blasé. I watched it once when I was 15 when it first came out and then never since. 
and then watched it again last night and did not enjoy it at all. Science fiction has to be accountable to the concepts that it puts forward, and I felt like this movie was not. Your guys' podcast is dedicated to Arnold Schwarzenegger, probably one of the most likable, charismatic, anytime that guy is on screen, my eyes are glued. Mm -hmm. Personality, right? Mm Mm-hmm. The reason this movie has a zero, if you just look at it as an Arnold movie, I don't like Arnold in this movie. Like, Mr. Freeze is more likable is what I'm trying to say. That's the uh, that's the fourth, like, shining star of the movie is that I made Arnie a shit ton of money. And he, off the back of this, he managed to become governor of California. So... That's how bad this movie was. People were like, we will have you as our governor if it means no more movies. True, yeah. And, and, and I recall hearing that when he was making this movie, there was probably uh, one of the earlier scripts might have had him coming back as the antagonist, I think, if I'm not mistaken. And that was quickly changed once it, it, you know, it, was, it was revealed that he was going to run for governor because he wanted to come across yeah. Yeah. as more likable, mm-hmm. which is ironic <laughs> because he's so fucking dislikable in Terminator 3. I have no idea why anybody voted for him. Just a dick to everyone. <laughs> Um, so thank you so much Eddie Green for joining us if people want to uh, follow follow you catch up with you uh, where can they find you on social media uh, it's a T101 podcast and uh, the podcast is available on iTunes Spotify all those places Terminator 101 and it's not just a focus on Terminator it's also talking about other things I talk about Arnold I talk about James Cameron it's really just that kind of circular group that's really where i focus all of my attention on but it's definitely terminator and specifically cameron films so that's why i'm not really too uh knowledgeable about the other stuff because i don't give a crap about them (laughs) but you have some amazing guests on that as Mm -hmm. well you have a bunch of really great names who pop up which is very cool yes i do i have a lot of people from uh the new film coming out dark fate i've had uh brett azar who's been arnold's body double uh i had peter kent who was Arnold's stunt double from 84 to 96. And the biggest one I just recently got, and I'm about to uh, release it for my 50th episode, was Michael Bean. I got to talk to Michael Bean. Nice. Nice. Yeah, so that was, uh, that, was, that was really surreal because, uh, I mean, to hear Kyle Reese on the other end of the line, and I got to talk to him for like over an hour. It was so amazing and uh, very laid back, and that's what I really love about doing the podcast. It's Just you know, chatting about Terminator? Well, yeah, we, just we chatting are- about his career. We greatly appreciate you slumming it with us here. I mean, we're no, no Michael Bean. This has been a true pleasure. I've never been in New Zealand, and I can officially say I've, I've made it over to New Zealand. So Awesome. Love it. Uh, right. Thanks, Eddie, and we'll talk to you again soon. See ya. All right, guys. Thanks, dude. See you guys. Bye. That was I'll Be Back Catalog. Thank you to the wonderful Eddie Green of Terminator 101 for joining us for Terminator 3 Rise of the Machines. Oh man, I did it for the money. And then I became governor with all the money. <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully the next movie is going to be a better one. Yeah, what is it? Oh, it's, oh, it's Expendables 1 and 2. Yeah, the cameo and the starring role. Well, I'm <laughs> excited. It'll be great. I've been Stephen Lyons, and if you want to get in touch with me, you can find me at S-T-E-L-Y-O-N-S if you want to get in touch with us at the catalog you can uh, tweet at us at I'll be back pod and I'm Mike Kevin and you can find me at Mike Kevin please don't forget to rate review and subscribe on iTunes Stitcher or whatever podcast app you like to use it really helps us to reach new listeners thanks again and this has been I'll be back catalog 
Yeah, that's right. You drop dead. Take that. I'm the sassy Terminator. I'm the Terminator who doesn't take shit from anyone. Right? I'm the Terminator who's like, you've been terminated. Even though I was also terminated at the same time. I should have said, we've been terminated. Right? Because that would be a more human thing. But for me to be more human would involve a narrative arc for my character. Yay! Yay!